Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by PDF Pen from Smile. I'm Simone de Rochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, a senior cloud advocate for Microsoft, <laughs> and Brianna Wu, uh, I guess, defender of the empire. <laughs> yes. You guys, we have to figure out what, I mean, I'm a software engineer. And software engineer. I, but I'm also a former, former candidate. I don't know. We're going to figure out how to introduce me on the show. We'll software figure it out. Software engineer and former candidate for Congress. House of Red. Yep. There you go. Uh, Oh, oh my gosh. Aha. I did it. <laughs> now, finally, my title is longer than Christina's. I win. <gasps> you win. <laughs> Woohoo. After five years, we can finally stop the show. We've hit the longest title. <laughs> um, but actually, I do want to hear from you, Bree, because our first topic of the day today is a powerful Mac update. So last week, we asked, we debated, you debated, the two of you debated. I did what debate. Kind of I asked Christina for expert uh, advice. I, and I don't she mean had debate yes. in a confrontational way. I mean, debate <laughs> in a like mulling over what is the right decision here Yep. of what kind of machine you should get for programming work. And you made a decision. Tell us. I did. I did. So first of all, Christina was totally right. After I uh, got off the show, I started looking really deeply into the, the iMac. So Christina's recommendation for a new game dev machine was maxed out 27-inch iMac, which you could get for about, uh, it was $3,250 if you're willing to upgrade the RAM yourself. And then the RAM getting up to that level would be another $250 from somewhere like uh, 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 OWC or something. So I looked at that, and she was dead on. The, the, The stats on it were great, though the Cinebench scores were not great. Um, um, but I looked at it and the deciding factor was the fact that these are ordered out until, uh, six weeks from Apple. Uh, the last time I looked at it, it was June 14th was the earliest shipping date you could get that. So, um, Christina, great advice, but I'm not willing to wait six no, weeks for a no, computer no. with I, coronavirus. Absolutely. No, it's, it's funny because like when you told us this, it was one of those things where I was like, oh yeah, no, you're completely dead on. <laughs> like this is, this is not something that you want to wait a month for. You know. Right, right. Well, I mean, I've got a lot of, like, first thing I'm going to do is update Rev60 to 64 bits and get back on the iPhone and make a Mac port and all of that just to, like, brush up on my game dev <laughs> skills. And, yeah, I don't want to sit around six weeks waiting for a computer to do that. You know, in my day, it took six weeks <laughs> just to ride to the next town. Right, exactly. Um, so uh, there is actually one of the the, the few very, very few benefits of coronavirus is it's actually a really great time to buy a cheap Mac. And uh, I have a friend of mine who uh, he, when somewhere like CDW orders something and a giant uh, corporate customer cancels an order, he uh, plays middleman and will uh, pass this along to you at a discount. So like, for instance, Uber was going to buy, uh, spend several million dollars on uh, Mac machines and they just canceled all of those orders. Um, he's helping basically sell wow. many of those. So um, he managed to hook me up with a uh, 14 core iMac Pro. And if you price this out, the cost of it would be well over uh, $7,000. I believe it was $7,000. 
$600 and some change. And my walk out the door price with an iMac Pro with a, a terabyte SSD, the maxed out, uh, maxed out uh, GPU and 14 cores was, uh, it was uh, $5,900. So uh, wow. that was a point where it was a, a good buy. So yeah, I well just, done. It, it is brand new. It's not used. That has a warranty, and then I'll get Apple Care on it for one hundred and sixty nine dollars for another three years. It'll be great. So that's what so, I decided on. Yeah. So, so does your friend like? Does he work on? Does he have access to other like yes, good deals? He does. He does. <laughs> like what? I'll connect you to. Him. We'll talk oh, about please the do. show. Please yeah. do. I would very much appreciate that. I'm just okay. Excellent. Perfect. All right. Well, exciting news today. Our first topic, official topic, large topic of the day. The butterfly keyboard is officially dead. Dead Woo! with this. Woo! Yes, let's moment of done. silence slash applause. Some of us will be silent. Some of us will be applauding. So you won't be able to tell how we really feel. Uh, <laughs> so this change comes with the announcement of Apple's latest 13-inch MacBook Pro, which as all loyal Rocket listeners know, is the best size of macbook <laughs> pro um but this macbook pro will have the what they are calling the quote-unquote magic keyboard bringing the uh, macbook keyboards in line with the external existing external keyboards like say i might have on my imac um over the last six months the butterfly switch keyboard has been phased out on all of the macbooks and now we can say it is officially gone uh this keyboard with its lower profile and larger keycaps was at first well received but then saw many rising complaints from users whose keyboards broke at the introduction of the slightest piece of dust it was reworked several times over the years uh, i think t- since 2016 when it was introduced and by the end of its life it had gotten better but breaking it still meant and breaking it again meant a piece of dust breaking it meant that uh meant replacing the entire bottom half of your MacBook, which sucked and took a long time. End of obituary. <laughs> yeah, uh, you will not be missed. Like there's, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's literally, yeah. there's literally no one who's going to have any way to to miss this. Especially <laughs> since they've the as they proved with like the 16 inch and as like it looks like the MacBook Air and, and whatnot. Like the form factor is not even changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that that the, this is really just kind of to me proof that this was. Uh, just a, a very flawed design um, that, for whatever reason, we didn't see with the 12-inch MacBook. It took the MacBook Pro for us to see it, but it was a flawed design because if it had not been a flawed design, this would not be something where they would, you know what I mean, where they would keep like the same exact form factor. Like the the new 13-inch <laughs> MacBook Pro is literally the same as the old one, but with a better keyboard and on the higher end, a better processor. Yeah. Is it any wider? No. Yeah. It really yep. is just the same. Wow. That's, but I did not there's know a, that. There's a lot of uh, upgrades inside of it. Um, you know, it's got the better keyboard. It's got 10th gen uh, Intel CPU support. At the support. high end. At, At the, the high, high end. end. Yeah. No, and, no, that's an important distinction though, because right. the ones that they start with are still on 8th gen. So you've got to go up to like the $2,000 mark before you get the the later gen um, chips. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. And, but as long as we're talking about the base model, it's got 256 gigs. Excuse still, me, $1,800 mark. 
Right. But the the base model of it has 256 gigs. And, you know, it's my experience. I've tried to use a, a portable laptop before with that little. I really feel strongly at 512 is the very least you can get away with. I mean, how do you feel about that? I think 256 is fine if it's a secondary machine. I think that if it's going to be your primary 512 for like a power user yeah. is is going to be better. But but there's there's I don't know. It I'm I'm of two minds of this. And the one mind like for instance my mom's MacBook Air I'm pretty sure that that one has a 256 on it. I didn't get her 128 and she has the gold um uh, MacBook Air. She has the redesign but not with the one with the new keyboard because she I got it for her um for Christmas in 2018. Um and she doesn't use it enough. She's her keyboard is fine. Um, 256 is, is more than enough for her. She never used more than that on her previous um, MacBook Pro that that replaced. Uh, and I think that there are with you could make the argument that with cloud services, you know, with with Dropbox, with um, you know um, iCloud, with uh, Google Drive, with OneDrive, whatever, that plenty of people don't need a lot of local storage. A lot of people have most of their stuff. Most of their music is is in the cloud. They're streaming movies from Netflix. They are accessing their documents from a cloud thing. So I think that there's definitely an argument to be made that for like the average person, 256 is fine. I think 128 is, you know, worrisome, especially if you're downloading photos or having things cached. But I think that for the the, the average person, 256 is fine. I think I will it's your- say I'm at 128 and I you caused me to just check my storage and I am almost at capacity. <laughs> right. See, yes. Yeah, see, I think 128 is is too low. I think 256 is fine for most people. I will say, like, if it's going to be, like, a primary machine that you do a lot of stuff on, you download a lot of things um, that you don't want to have to always offload, you have local files, you know, you have a lot of applications, you mess around with a lot of stuff. In that case, then, yeah, I, I, I will agree. I think 512, but I think 256 is fine. I will. I, I don't disagree with you because I, I'm probably an edge case, but I have had this machine since... 2016 maybe late 2015 and I mean I did just say I'm almost full up and that is true however I haven't hit that that point yet um that being said if you're a normal person yes you probably do want a little more headroom than 128 yeah, I mean, the only thing I would, the only reason I would even say like 256 is I think it's a good standard because that gives you room to grow, right? Like, I kind of feel that way about yeah. phones. Like, I feel like, um, you know, like I, I don't, I, I don't want to encourage myself to grow. <laughs> I'm just saying because, like, because certain things just take up more space. And also, what tends to happen as your machine gets older um, is that to compensate for like slower processors or less RAM, more of your disk space becomes used as kind of like cache and, and, and scratch for that. So you do notice that, you know, you will start up your computer and you'll have like 50 gigabytes free and then you'll get an out of, you know, storage space message yep. like six hours into it. And that's the cache uh, working. That's not like a, you know, something where like you've been downloading that much content. So I don't know. Yeah. I think 256 is fine. I think 512 yeah. like... I Maybe think it's just is- me because when I when I let's say I go on a trip, right, or I always download like movies to watch on the the plane or you know the train or whatever, and that invariably takes fifty. And then you know if you're adding like sieve to it, like one of those get like civ is super bloated these days like with all the <laughs> dlc for it i don't maybe it's just me i yeah i, I don't know I, I mean i hate fighting that limit and i just i i always get a little bit bigger if i can in any case the keyboard itself had a very <laughs> it was very small and it is now dead <laughs> yeah but, but, but i do think it's good that they've doubled like the the storage price 
I am a little annoyed um, that they didn't upgrade the 1299 and 1499 models to 10th um, gen um, um, processors. That, I'm sorry, that 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 annoys me. Um, so, like, because, but, but I'm glad that they, you know, fixed the fixed the keyboard. The keyboard being fixed is really good, but I am annoyed that they still have the older processor. Do you guys have anything nice to say about the butterfly keyboard before we put it to rest? No, no, no. I gave I gave my ten uh, year old niece my twelve inch MacBook, and before I mailed it to her, I was like, "Am I really doing something nice for her because it's got <laughs> the butterfly keyboard?" Um, I, 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 <laughs> I like I the actually... sound it made. Yeah, I didn't mind the sound. The one nice thing I will say, and but I can't even credit the butterfly keyboard for this really, was that I like the bigger keycaps. Mm. Um, yeah. that, that's the one okay. thing I can yeah. say. I like the bigger keycaps, but I can't even really give that credit because the Magic Keyboard, when they redesigned that for, you know, like the, 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 um, for the iMac, had bigger keycaps and also had more travel. So I can't really give it that. But that's the closest I can come to it to say I, I, I got yeah. the point where I really liked the, the bigger keycaps. But no, I mean, I think worst Apple ever. So Mo, before we before we move on, can I say one more thing about yeah. this particular MacBook? In in researching my iMac Pro, I have done an uber deep dive into the state of eGPU support on on Mac OS. And if, yep. if you've never looked at this before, one of the big trends is Apple has um, enabled a, a wide array of AMD GPUs to be used in a external box, and it is utterly feasible today if you want a game on a 13-inch MacBook Pro to go out and buy an eGPU box. And it's really easy to do. You go buy, it's, a, you know, about a $300 uh, GPU enclosure and then put your own AMD GPU uh, inside of it, which could range anywhere from, you know, 200 to, you know, on the high end, six or $700. But if you're getting this and, and you're thinking, well, I don't know, that 16-inch MacBook is a lot better gaming machine for when I do it. You could very, very, very easily get an EG, eGPU and use that as an external box for this. They run great. They're very stable. It's not fiddly. It'll work in boot camp. Like it's by all yeah. reports, it's really well done. Yeah, I'm, I've I've used eGPUs um, with my um, uh, 2017 MacBook Pro before using Thunderbolt, and it's fine. The only thing I would I would say, and I think you would agree with this, is that. Gaming on Mac at this point is really not a thing. Right. No, I strongly agree with that. <laughs> I think I feel that way because of reality. But, you know, there, there, you know, TF2 is there. There, there are games to play. And I mean, uh. I, I've honestly found with, with the indie games that I end up glutting myself on at the end of every year while I'm frantically trying to cram things for game of the year. A lot of those I have found do run on Mac, and I'm able to play them on my 2015 MacBook Pro. Sure, but but that wouldn't be something you'd be <laughs> buying an eGPU for. So I'm, I'm saying, like, if you're, I'm true, saying, if, Christina, I'm, say, I, I'm saying, if you're getting to the point that you were buying an external graphics card for gaming, and you have a Mac, my advice genuinely would be to look at either buying a console. Or um, like putting that money towards considering getting some sort of like dedicated gaming PC because at that point you might as well like if or you, have you other could use do boot cases, camp and just run it on the other side. I mean, eGPU support works very well in Windows 10. Uh, it well, yes, but boot camp is is a nightmare right now. Guys, <laughs> I've got really good news. I just cleared seven gigs out of my trash. 
And <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by PDF Pen from our friends at Woo! Smile. Woohoo! PDF Pen 12 is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs on the Mac. The new version adds in several useful features, such as, let me tell you about it. You can customize your PDFs for smaller file sizes with customizable image compression settings. And uh, it's got built-in DocuSign support for digitally signing PDFs, which, as we all know, is the ultimate destination of most PDFs. And the magnifier window lets you magnify any part of a document independently of the document's zoom level. And PDF Pen supports Apple Script, so you can automate actions on the Mac. PDF Pen for Mac supports macOS Catalina, and PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone supports iOS 13 and Apple Pencil. Yes! Learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. If you do any work with PDFs, you need to check out PDF Pen. Go to smilesoftware.com slash podcast right now. Our thanks to PDF Pen for their support of this show and Relay FM. FM. <laughs> FM Relay. <laughs> yeah. I we okay, we've put we've put it to rest. It's to rest. Let's talk about what's happening in the rest of... I, I, we didn't put PDF Pen to rest. We put the keyboard to rest. PDF Pen will never be at rest. It's always evolving and updating and improving. <sighs> okay, I got a little emotional there. Let's talk about some th- cool things that are happening in 2020, as we all know. <laughs> well, okay, I think... What, is it not cool? Uh-huh. I mean... Okay. Because no one can go to physical events anymore... Events like WWDC and Microsoft Build have moved online, which I think is quite cool. WWDC starts this year on June 22nd, which is a bit later than usual. Phil Schiller says it'll be their biggest ever, and I don't know what that means, and I don't think anyone else does either. (sighs) Sessions will be live-streamed, and Apple also announced uh, something that is cool and concrete, which is the Swift Student Challenge, which is a dev challenge for students. It's right there in the name, using Swift Playgrounds, which I think is super cool. Uh, And on the same token, Microsoft Build is also going fully online and has announced that it is going to be free for all registrants with various sessions being live streamed and recorded. Yeah, uh, Build will be, um, it'll be May 19th and 20th. It will be, um, uh, there will be recordings so people can catch up, but it's going to be 48 hour live stream and basically, we're going to be going kind of wall to wall. And so our idea is basically, historically, you've had kind of like we've live streamed some of the sessions, but it's always been on the the West Coast time schedule. Whereas in this case, there will be repeats of the keynotes and some of those things, um, but other sessions will be happening live. And it so it'll be, you know, live to whatever time zone you're in. So we'll have you know, we'll start on the West Coast, then we'll go to London, then we'll go to um, uh, Australia uh, or, or maybe we'll go to, from um, West Coast to Australia, then Australia to London. I, I don't know. I don't remember now. Um, but but in any event, we'll be doing three different time zones, kind of, you know, cadences, you know, kind of like eight hours each day. That sounds very busy. <laughs> but so, I mean, compared I mean, to last year when you were – oh, go on. Yeah, no, go ahead, Smith. I was just going to say, compared to last year when she was traveling all over the world <laughs> and then also doing it in Seattle at like a nutty schedule. Yeah. 
So, I mean, taking these one at a time, Microsoft Build, particularly now that I'm going to be doing uh, more Windows development, uh, I'm very interested in this, Christina. So I will definitely be attending virtually. This, my God, how much is the ticket? Usually it's like $2,200. Over $2,000, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so you can do it for free this year. So I think if you're a developer, you should definitely check that out. Um, yeah, that said, as someone that's gone to build multiple times, um, there's there's something lost not being there in person. And Definitely. With WWDC, I mean, y'all, this is the Apple Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. it just is. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm really I I think that when Phil Schiller says it's going to be the biggest ever, he probably means a, it's it's like typically a lottery of which Apple employees get to go present at WWDC. And now I think because so many people are working from home, many will be able to. (laughs) So that's probably what he means. And that's good. I mean, maybe, um, you know, like for me, I work on metal technology. So I imagine I would have a better chance of actually being able to live chat with the people working on that technology at Apple, which is, is good. But at the same time, it's, you know, WWDC is not just the sessions and the keynote. It's going to John Gruber's party. It's doing app camp for girls. It's, you know, it's it's hanging out at a bar with all the people you love. And I just, I I hate that we're not going to be able to do it this year, particularly because I can actually go this year. No, so. <laughs> that is rotten timing. Yeah, you're oh. right. But I mean, there's always 2022. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's, it's always difficult. I mean, cause, so, uh, you know, total, like, disclosure or whatever, I'm involved uh, pretty heavily with, with Microsoft Build. I will be, as I have in years past, doing the Build Live um, hosting thing. But in the past, that's always kind of been a secondary part of the show. And now it's going to be sort of the connective tissue that that carries the, the various um, sessions that people can choose to watch together. So I will be, like, all in on that. And I've been in a lot of meetings. And, and I know that that team, and there are so many different people who are working on various things, are working on ways to try to, you know, have more kind of community involvement and have more ways that people can connect. And we're a little bit lucky. We got some learnings um, from the MVP summit that happened literally right as we were all quarantined. Mm. So we have some learnings from that. But you're exactly right, Bray. I mean, it's it's a there is, a, I think, something that's really great about some of these big events going online in that it allows lots and lots of people to come who might not have been able to otherwise, not just because of cost and because of capacity, but because of where they live in the world. But you do lose out on the social aspect and and being able to be there together and, and making those one-to-one connections. And so I know that, uh, you know, we're going to be using Microsoft Teams quite a bit as as a way where people will be able to connect and, and, and watch things and, and ask questions and have their own kind of private chats and also have, you know, jump on their own, you know, like, you know, Teams uh, calls or, or whatever, if people want to do that to try to build interaction. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see what Apple does to try to uh, cultivate that or if they if they do anything, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of WWDC, because it's, it's, it's difficult. We, we're all still in this new world right now. Like, uh, my life actually for the last couple of months has been doing deep dive examinations and, and uh, planning and, and trying to play around with things and experimentations for how do you do in-person stuff online, especially from a community perspective. And the answer is like, we're still figuring it out. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves, but I'm excited that, that Apple is going to be doing it. I'm obviously excited that Microsoft will be doing it. Um, for us, it gives us a chance, I think, to focus 
some on making it really clear that this is a a, a very much a developer centric event, which is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, not to say that there won't be broader news there too, but this is really going to be about you know developers and and the content that they want to get. And I think that's fantastic. And for Apple, because it has been used, you know, as kind of like with the keynote, especially as as kind of a consumer push. I'm curious to see how what they do in that case too, because part of me wonders, like for instance, with the new the 13 inch MacBook, you know, release, like that conceivably could have been something that was announced at WWDC, you know, and and uh, it's it'll be interesting to see what that what the announcement process is like when it's not in person. I think there's a big opportunity for people like you, Christina, because let's let's just be really real. I have paid for the WWDC ticket many times and gone to just a handful of sessions. I mean, let's just really be real because so much of the the event is socializing with people. Um, I'm just a networking monster in general. <laughs> sure. So, so I, I think that the one advantage is this is going to be a year where the 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 things they announce are really 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 going to be forefront like these labs are probably never going to be better attended um you know whatever tech microsoft is putting out uh at build this year um or the partnerships i mean i i don't know if you're working with epic this year but that's like there's really going to be a chance to put out some some real you know um developer uh, you know, like relations stuff here to really bring people in and go like, look, this is what you struggle with. This is how you can do it. These are the products we have. These are the APIs we've been working on. I just, I think that, I think that if you can figure this out, Christina, if Apple can figure this out, I I really think it's, it could be great if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I hope that Apple coming later than, or WWDC coming later than build can kind of learn from what Build is trying to do. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, and it makes sense. Like, I think that for us, if we were to compare our dates, we might be a week or so later than we usually are um, for for Build. And and Apple, you know, they're going to be a couple weeks later than they usually are too. And I'm I'm assuming that some of that is just lead time. You know, there's just, there's a lot that goes into preparing for these events and making sure you have the infrastructure to support this number of people, you know, and figuring out how do you get people to ask questions and how do you moderate those mm, things? Yeah. And what's your process of making sure that people aren't abusive and other things? And like, like there's, there's just, there's a lot that goes into it. And then there's even from like a logistics standpoint is like, okay, we're all remote. And how do you get people to present their content? Like, are you pre-recording everything? Or are you doing it live? Because a lot of people are going to have to be you know, doing their talks from their house, which means their home internet. And, you know, like, it's just, there's, there's all these pieces that you don't think about until you kind of get there. And and it's yeah. always amazing to me the that stuff doesn't fall apart. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely excited about Build. I, I encourage anybody who's interested in, in anything related to, you know, Microsoft or, or Azure or, you know, kind of computing in general to check it out. It's free. I will obviously be attending WWDC as well. I can't wait for that. Um, and and I, I it'll be interesting to see what other what other companies do stuff. Google canceled I/O and Facebook canceled F8. But uh, I with so many conferences and things in general have already been. You know, the, the governor of California says that it'll be 2022 before they can kind of expect widespread events again. Yeah, and and hopefully that's being like 
going too far. Like hopefully things can recover before then. We just don't know. So this is going to be something that more and more companies, regardless of what their focus area is, are going to have to kind of do. And it's uh, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Christina's going to do it live. <laughs> <laughs> are you? So are you guys? doing like rehearsals for everything or is it how how much what percentage of it is rehearsed at this point oh i mean some of the stuff it will be pre-recorded and then some of it will be live so for instance i think the big keynotes are going to be pre-recorded be- again just makes sense like this is yeah you know a, a big thing you're going out to a lot of people this is like your one of your flagship events you don't want to have internet snafus or whatever it just makes <laughs> more sense if you can do that because even when you broadcast it live like if there are snafus, at least it's happening, you know, in, in real time, it's being recorded someplace. You don't want to run that risk when it's purely virtual. And then I think most of the sessions are going to be live. There might be some that are pre-records, but I think most of them are going to be live. And then um, we will be doing kind of, you know, live like CNN, not CNN, uh, ESPN style kind of, you know, um, you know, 15 minute interstitials in between sessions and cutting to other things and kind of, you know, leading in and out of the content that's happening throughout the day that will be happening live for that 48 hours. So uh, me and um, uh, Seth um, um, Juarez and, and um, Adonis Sarkar and uh, Rick Kloss will be kind of the host of that. Scott Hanselman is, is going to be leading the Developer Day stream. There'll be a bunch of great stuff. And he's probably our most famous um, uh, individual developer at Microsoft. He's great. So he has a whole day just for for his kind of keynote and, and his kind of sessions that he'll be showing things off at and and that'll be really cool. Um so there's it'll be a mix of things, but um I think the the big stuff will be pre-recorded and then the rest of it will be will be live. Um well, if you're interested in that, you look it up, folks. Look it up. Um cool. Should we move on to our dessert for the day? Yes. Yes, let's oh, do it. Oh, it's a fun one. Twitter is testing a feature that they hope will reduce harassment on their platform. <laughs> and it's asking people when you tweet something that's a little mean, it's asking them, hey, you want to look at that again? You want to think about sending that? Did you did you want to say that? Are you sure you want to send this? And then you can say yes and tweet it anyway. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh, so this is the latest in Twitter's multi-year struggle to kind of get a get a handle on some of the toxicity on its platform. And it is indeed a function that asks you to rethink what you are saying, um, gives you the option to revise it before it's published if it uses language that could be harmful. Quote, unquote. Um, you have some feelings about this off man hell no <laughs> oh god you make me oh you made me put a time stamp <laughs> i would also like to add off oh no <laughs> you guys uh i just it's it's I, I there's so much i have to say here so my friend of the show chuck Wendick, um an author he he tested this out and he showed the actual dialogue box that you get and it's like Yep. Hey, uh, do you want to think before you tweet this? Because it could, are you sure you want to say this? It could lead to your account uh, being reported. And I I know the Twitter TOS pretty well. Swearing at someone should not be a reportable thing. Like it's harassment, or do you know what I mean? Like it's it's it's, it's more to subtle than that. Like yeah, I mean, especially with right. the way that people speak 
naturally to their friends. Right. Definitely. Well, for instance, okay, this, so this is what the message says. It says, language like this could lead to someone reporting a reply, but you can change it before sending. Want to revise this, and you can choose revise or send. And no, I mean, and you're exactly right. It's like there, yes, there could be a way where you could say, and you're going to have to bleep this, unfortunately, Simone, I'm sorry, where you could say, I'm going to kill you. And that would right. be seen as something that Twitter would be like, okay, that's that's wrong. But if you're just saying, like, go f*** yourself, in general, that's allowed. Now, if enough people report it, they can look into it and, and, and you might, you know, it might get taken down or whatever if it's kind of a mass reported thing. But in general, with few exceptions, telling someone to go f*** themselves or just using that sort of language is not unallowed. So it's, you know, whereas you have to kind of go into the, like, kill yourself Right. place for that to trigger their rules. I mean, I was surprised Twitter was banning people over learn to code being, you know, uh, uh, sent to journalists, which was a very cruel thing to say during, you know, during layoffs. But it, it to me, it didn't like cross the line to harassment. If you had hundreds of people or someone saying that over and over again, yeah, that's that's harassment of someone. But I don't know. I think it just shows I, you know, what I really think I think so many of my friends are working in the uh, in the NLP space and have done such amazing research in trying to figure out how when words come together, what the meaning behind it is. Is it happy? Is it is it is there a malicious intent? Is this person a troll? There is such amazing technology out that with it with in research as well. And to come down to what's basically a profanity filter yeah. at Twitter, it just, it's so, it's so lazy, right? No, I yeah. agree because, I mean, and, and the thing is, is that you're exactly right. There's so much good uh, NLP stuff happening and there's so much uh, other like really good AI and like, like there's so much good stuff happening both on the research side and the tech side that this, you, you nailed it uh, great, like for this to be a profanity filter, because it doesn't even get the nuance of something as simple as if I say, yeah, that's means I think it's awesome. Whereas if I'm like, you know, this is terrible. That's different. Like, Still you know what I mean? Harassment. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, Simone, you had to expect this. This is, this is the, you know, the, the I didn't, I didn't segment. even think about this being a problem. And here I am eating my Why words. Why don't we use good All place I have to say is from here on out. You. We can say forking. We can say forking. We can say shirt, <laughs> holy shirt. Just to, just to make, just yeah, to make you happy. Yeah, we've all seen the good place. We're good. Um, <laughs> it's not for me. It's for Jim. It's for Jim's for, poor for hands. Jim. Sorry, Jim. We love sorry, you, Jim. Jim. <laughs> sorry, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Jim, yeah. you're the forking best. I mean, and like you said, it's the kind of thing where... I mean, especially if someone is, say, throwing around very charged racial slurs and Twitter is sensing that you're you're putting in the work to find the problem and yet you're right. still and adding you're an not- extra step to fix the problem and to remove the problem, which is the person who's saying those words. Uh, I think Twitter should take care of the forking Nazis on the platform. Like, yeah. Yeah, just knock out the forking Nazis. I'm tired of the forking Nazis. They're everywhere. If you read any journalist reply, especially if they work at the New York Times, 
it's forking Nazis, uh, like just uh, Sunday to Sunday to Monday. It's just all over. So, like, take care of the forking Nazis, and then you can talk to us about like using more more Christ-like language. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know what's going to happen. You know how like the radical right has co-opted like the OK sign and just a bunch right. of totally innocuous things. They don't need swears. <laughs> that's the thing. They're going to the ruin, people, like, the word cheese. <laughs> I, I, exactly. People will find a way. Um, well, what's interesting, too, though, and I think that this is probably what the thought was, because there is actually research that I've read that does back this up, which is, and, and I don't know how useful this will be on Twitter, but there's certainly been research that shows this within other social networks and in other social situations, that if you can slow people down and make them consider what they're saying, some people will reconsider. And so if you're in the heat of a moment and something comes up and, and you just kind of, you know, send off a message and maybe you're really angry, mm-hmm. if there have been studies that show, if you get feedback that says, are you sure you want to say that? Are you sure you want to send that? Just that brief pause of making you kind of have to reaffirm, yes, I want to send this, is oftentimes enough to make people go, okay, I'm calmed down now. I don't need to say this exact same thing. I think, though, that with the context of Twitter, I'm not sure that works, if if that makes any sense, because you're already limited by a number of characters. People typically go in with, with a certain kind of reply, but I could see if like a situation, like a conversation was getting heated, somebody might be like, okay, I, I can chill out. But, um, and, and I can also see it might be helpful in some cases to, like, it'll be interesting to see how bots work around this, for instance, because it, you would need to put in kind of like a a, a pause mechanism and, and design the bot in such a way that it would be able to, you know, click on the send anyway button or whatnot. So there would maybe add some complications to automating tweets that just send people nothing but strings of, of harassment with certain words, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I could see them doing that. But otherwise... I don't know. I mean, again, there is research that says if you can get people to slow down, they'll change their mind. I, I think that that's interesting. And I've I've definitely noticed that in my own behavior before. Like there are there have been times when I have found myself typing out like a a snarky reply to something and then read it back and like in that reading it back thought, OK, no, this actually doesn't make sense and it makes me look bad. I'm deleting it. Uh, And I I do think you're totally right that there is that percentage of people who will kind of be diffused by that. But to the greater point and to what many people on Twitter have said, it's not probably going to stop the people who are intentionally going out there not thinking, oh, God, I got in a fight and I'm so mad right now. But going out there and thinking, I'm going to start a fight and I'm going to make people really mad and upset because that's what I want to do today. Yeah, well, I would like to see, like, help make this feature available to the person making the original tweet. Like, make this, a, so when some jerk store shows up in my replies and it's like, <laughs> man, you didn't know, you know sources, uh, why didn't you think of this? And then I say something to him. I would like Twitter to, like, figure that out and go, do you really want to respond <laughs> to this person? It's not going to go well. Is this the best use anyone. of your time, Brianna? <laughs> Actually, see, see, that would be a great feature. It'd be like, do you really want to engage with this egg? I like, would that love would be that. A like, this person's account was like t- over two months ago, and they're clearly a troll bot. <laughs> right, right. It's like, or, 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 I guess the point that you have like a bunch of kind of you know like responses back and forth to someone who comes up. Are you sure you want to continue this? 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would be a fan of that. Are you sure you want to continue you this? You are because 15 a lot replies of cases, deep right now. Are you sure you want to continue this? Because a lot of times I would just be like, you know what? No. And also, I, I think it would also work against tweet storms, which are, I think we can all agree, have, have in some cases gone too far. Because <laughs> at a certain point, I really would like Twitter to just come up and say, would you rather just write a blog and then just take you to Medium? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's good. That's how we feel about And folks, that's how we feel about that. Now you know. Uh, Christina, what are you up to this week? Oh, major announcement. Major announcement. All right. So it, I don't have the date yet. It will more than likely be weekend um, after this, this coming one because I have there's a lot that goes into this. But I am going to uh, – we're going to be working on doing Fire Festival and Animal Crossing. Yes. This is the yes. best idea you have Complicated. ever had, Christina. I've never looked forward to anything more. Yes, I know. I, I'm. I'm. It, there's so many working pieces. But here's the good news: if it's a disaster, that's even more on brand. So I'm. Part of me is is not even like. I mean, I I'm, I wanted I wanted to get it working right and and have have things look the right way and and be the right way. Um, if you go to firefestival.ac right now, there's nothing there. Although by the time this episode goes up, hopefully I'll have some sort of landing page. But yes, there is a domain firefestival.ac. And we want to basically recreate Fire Festival, the good, the bad, the ugly in Animal Crossing. Uh, this this uh, occurred to me at the end of last week, and um, and no, I was I was not like under the like control of any substances at all, completely sober. And I do agree with you, Brianna. I think this is probably one of my best ideas. Oh, it's genius! I mean, I told this to Frank and. He he loves to sleep in on Saturday, <laughs> and he immediately woke up. He was like, that's the best idea, and Christina should do X, Y, and Z. So can you confirm that uh, Ja Rule is going to be playing at your fire Festival? Because I believe that's confirmed, And Blink-182 right? I, 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 I is also there, I can't that Ja Rule is going to be there. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, Blink-182 yeah. is, is definitely there. No, real talk. If anyone knows Mark Hoppus, I know he's a big Animal Crossing person, would love to get involved. But yeah, if you want to, you know, like let people know all the confirmed bands that are totally mm-hmm. going to show up, just like at the real Fire Festival, definitely. Yeah. So it's safe to say that your Fire Festival island, you will be you will be staying at very nice, very luxurious, very Instagrammable beach locations, right? Like how many bells would I have to give you to stay in a, a house? I don't know. I think about two hundred and fifty k bells. I think I can to, swing to stay that. in a house. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think that's what, I, right. I, I mean, I think that's what we're doing. Um, also, if if you want to stay in like some of the really big palatial places, that'll take you know one of the crowns, um, which you know are are, are a million bells and and lots of rare furniture items. There's going to be a lot of things, but obviously, you know, it's all coming together. The infrastructure so far is is pretty good. You know, hopefully, we won't have any rain. I'm <laughs> crossing my fingers, but it never rains there, does it? No, no. Not on the island. Never. So you have lots of experience. Well, I guess you do. You have more experience planning things than the real fire festival, oh my Christina. This is true. <laughs> so. When will we be able to know more about this? So I will, my, my goal is, I'm still trying to work things out. The website should be up um, by the end of the week, and we'll have more information next week. Oh my week. god, you've got to get Twitter. You've got to get Twitter I know. for this. I, I know. I, I need to do all kinds of things for this. This is again. This She's is basically, very busy. This is coming together just like the real fire festival. So, <laughs> which 
I mean, uh, again, part of me, I'm like, I'm like going through all these planning things. Like I have documents. I'm like, okay, I need to do all these things correctly. And then part of me is like, Christina, don't over-engineer this. Fire <laughs> festival and Animal Crossing, the disaster is part of the experience. So, uh, but but I just want to try to figure out like what like what the process will be. Honestly, my biggest problem right now is I don't want to give up either of my islands, and I want to be able to like stream this on Twitch. So I'm trying to cop another Nintendo Switch. That's honestly my biggest challenge right now. So it's trying to actually find a Switch that I can buy. Yes. So if anyone has a lead on a Switch in the Seattle area. Please let us know. Yep. Uh, I assume that they would have to not. I mean, maybe if they don't have Animal Crossing yet, maybe this is a free f- freaking copy of Animal Crossing for them, right? I mean, potentially. I mean, like I, I would buy Animal Crossing, whatever. I just need I just need a switch to be able to like run the game, you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, Rihanna, what are you doing this week? Uh, I'm hopefully helping Christina with this terrible oh idea. Oh, my God. That is awesome. This is what no, you're, instead of serving the American people, you're serving right, the American people the greatest gift I, of all. <laughs> that's right. I Honestly. Wanna, I want to get in on the scam. I mean, legitimate operation. So, uh, now, uh, my iMac Pro gets here on uh, 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 Thursday. So, honestly, uh, something I learned is that uh, Rev60 is coded in uh, its UDK that is now deprecated. Uh, I've not been following this since I've been running for office, obviously. And uh, Unreal dropped a final version of UDK um, in 2015 that does support 64-bit and mac os development so um i once i get my new mac i'm going to uh update uh rev 60 to that and uh we're going to go through and redo all the lighting for a modern thing uh re-encode it for 64 bit because you can't even play it on a modern iphone and i'm, I'm going to do a new version of this just Dude. to kind of get back into game development i think it'll be a good project so look forward to that Woohoo! congratulations well, congratulate me when I ship. I mean, okay, I'm trying to yeah, figure out source code from a literally 12-year-old Congratulations yeah. on having a plan for what you want to do with the rest right. of your quarantine. That's very yes. cool. Yes, there it is. Uh, I am, man, by the time this episode goes live, it will have already happened. However, <laughs> tomorrow on Twitch, Wednesday, May 6th, I am interviewing slash having a conversation with Janina Gavankar on Polygon's Twitch. Woo. So we're just going to be talking about video games. So she, uh, you might know her as Iden Verso from Star Wars Battlefront 2. She's also one of the leads in After Party, which came out last year. Um, it was very delightful. So we're going to be talking about her role in those games and also just talking about because she's a big gamer herself. So we're going to be talking about playing video games. I know she's playing games in quarantine as we all are. So we're going to be talking about that and just all a bunch of cool stuff. I think she's really cool. Uh, she hosted our Comic-Con party last year and um, I met her briefly there and she was very nice. So I'm excited to have an extended hang with her on Twitch. Um, and I think I am pretty sure I'm not lying when I say highlights of that will be posted on our YouTube channel. So you can check those out, even if you do end up missing the stream, which at this point, again, you have. So sorry. (laughs) Then that's why you should follow me on Twitter. (laughs) And what is my Twitter, you ask? Well, I'm on Twitter at Doomquasar. (laughs) And at YouTube.com slash Polygon. Brianna, where can we find you online? You can see me at Brianna Wu on Twitter. And Christina? 
You can find me at film underscore girls on the Twitters and the Instagrams. There will be a Fire Festival uh, AC account uh, forthcoming, uh, and, and we'll be sharing that. And uh, you can find my videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft Developer. And also, firefestival.ac will be up by the time you hear this episode. There will at least be a landing page. So, All right, and we can find more information there. And you can definitely confirm that it will not – no one will miss it bef- between now and next week's episode. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. all it's, right. not, it's not happening this weekend. There's no way. So. All right. So get out there, follow, find, seek information for yourselves. And in the process, please review this podcast on Apple Podcasts because that's a cool thing that cool people do. And it helps us gain a profile so that more people can find us, which we love. We love it when that happens. And then people get to participate in cool things like fire festival the event of the year hello um and maybe even watching me play games with janina Gavoncar, which again i'm so sorry that this is gonna be up before then anyway thank you so much everyone who listened to this show and everyone who has reviewed us i really appreciate it this episode of rocket is terminated so i can go to sleep which i clearly need <laughs> terminated <laughs> terminated <laughs> <laughs>